When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Good risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. We're spending the first week of October talking logic fails. We got it started yesterday with the slippery slope. Today, we're exploring false cause. False cause is the other end of yesterday's logical fallacy, the slippery slope where the slippery slope is the fallacy of claiming one event will inevitably lead to another, then another, false cause says it's illogical to claim an outcome is the direct result of a certain, sometimes unrelated, inciting incident. In these scenarios, it's especially important to be able to differentiate between correlation and causation. TED-Ed educator Elizabeth Cox refers to the childbed fever epidemic of 1843. She explains... Childbed fever would strike within days of giving birth, killing more than 70% of those infected, and nobody knew what was causing it. Obstetrician Charles Meigs had a theory. Having observed abdominal inflammation in patients who go on to develop the fever, he claimed this inflammation was the cause of childbed fever. The medical establishment forewent the very necessary step of skepticism and supported this theory. Cox continues by explaining that Meg's argument is a demonstration of the false cause fallacy, where correlation does not imply causation. When two phenomena regularly occur together, one does not necessarily cause the other. So, women who had inflammation also came down with childbed fever. Therefore, the inflammation caused the fever. But that's not necessarily true. Yes, the inflammation comes first, then the fever. So it seems like the inflammation causes the fever. But by that logic, since babies usually grow hair before teeth, hair growth must cause tooth growth. Obviously not. Cox explains in reality, many things could have been happening here. First, it's possible that fever and inflammation are correlated purely by coincidence. Or there could be a causal relationship that's the opposite of what Meg's thought. The fever causes the inflammation, rather than inflammation causing the fever. Or both could share a common underlying cause he hadn't thought of. Meanwhile, Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes had noticed a pattern. When a patient dies of childbed fever, a doctor performs an autopsy. If the doctor then treats a new patient, that patient often comes down with the fever. Based on this correlation between autopsies of fever victims and new fever patients, He proposes a possible cause. Since there's no evidence that the autopsy causes the fever beyond this correlation, he doesn't jump to the conclusion that autopsy causes fever. Instead, he suggests 
that doctors are infecting their patients via an invisible contaminant on their hands and surgical instruments. Cox notes that this idea outraged most doctors who saw themselves as infallible. In fact, Meggs wrote a scathing letter about Holmes' theory. They refused to consider the possibility that they were playing a role in their patient's plight. Meg's flawed conclusion didn't leave any path forward for further investigation, but Holmes did. The story continues. It's 1847, and physician Ignaz Semmelweis has reduced the number of childbed fever deaths in a clinic from 12% to 1% by requiring all medical personnel to disinfect their hands after autopsies and between patient examinations. With this initiative, he proved the contagious nature of childbed fever. Then, in 1879, Louis Pasteur identified the contaminant responsible for many cases of childbed fever, hemolytic streptococcus bacteria. The moral of the story here is, just because two things are happening in conjunction, it doesn't establish cause. It's imperative that we know the difference between correlation and causation, and call it out when someone's confusing the two. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day three of our week, Logic Fail. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.